Hi, everyone, and welcome to Living a Legacy. And I'm excited to welcome the program, Eric Couch. Eric, how are you? And you know I'm excited because I'm a fan of this quarterback, and, and it's not a stealer, but the surprising thing is <laughs> I followed that team all the way through when I was a freshman at Western Maryland College. I remember going to the Super Bowl party and rooting on – the Redskins, which we can't say anymore. So we have to call it the Washington football team. And right. I are and already right, right, our right, guest right. is saying that because it was interesting. I I did an article for a podcast magazine sports category with another Washington football team. But let's go ahead and introduce our guest, Eric. So today we have Super Bowl 26 MVP winner and quarterback of the Washington Redskins. Mark Rippon, and even more so, we're going to talk about something that hits really, really close to home with me, and that is traumatic brain injury of just having concussions as a player. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Eric and Neil, thank you guys for having me one on the show, too, promoting the, uh, our documentary, which is amazing, and, and really appreciate uh, Jerry Scher and her crew of what they did, and all the cast, especially Andrew Marr, who's you know, uh, all of us became vulnerable in this, but for a good reason. And that's to help everyone and anyone that is dealing with a, a TBI, depression, anything that they're dealing with now, especially after COVID-19 came around. And so it's, uh, I really appreciate you guys promoting this and give us an opportunity to speak on behalf of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mark, um, you know, I want to get into, I want to get into traumatic brain injury and what that is, because, because my dad had that. So, um, you know, he, he passed away in 2018 of Alzheimer's, but, but a lot of that was due to the concussions. Uh, he had, he played, uh, he played middle linebacker at SMU, uh, same time as Dandy Don Meredith was the quarterback oh, yeah. and, uh, and actually walked on in spring training with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so Neil had asked about Cowboys a minute ago. Um, but dad was also a baseball player and that's actually where he always got hurt was in baseball as a catcher and my grad played college football. Uh, I assumed I wouldn't, and that went in the cards. I ended up getting seen all the way through, but, but this topic is huge from having friends that have had concussions, but, but having a father that, that we were caregiver for, for almost four years, huge, huge topic. And, you know, in fact, before we go into some of your history, why don't you just give us a brief synopsis of, of what, what this is, is uh, you know, the traumatic brain injury. Well, Quiet, Quiet, Explosions, the Quiet Explosions, a documentary deals with about eight of us, some celebrities, some uh, basically mostly, mostly civilians that have had some traumatic brain injury and mm -hmm. have dealt with uh, either depression, uh, suicidal ideology, um, all the likes because of these events. And the documentary is, is more or less to say there is hope. You know, we don't have to stay broken. Um, there's great doctors out there and this documentary will be hearing from Dr. Mark Gordon, who's a hormonal therapist that, uh, through a, a very, very elaborate blood test, will find out their deficiencies, um, that you have and will treat you uh, naturally versus giving you a bag of, Hey, or take this because you're depressed, take this because you're in pain, take this because of that. Yeah. So, um, he's one of the, the, the featured guys, uh, featured doctors in here. Dr. Daniel Amen, who I'm going to, from Amen Clinics, who I'm going to meet with tomorrow night and have an opportunity to speak to him. Um, he does a spec scan and kind of gives you an idea. And they do a very uh, elaborate test on your brain and cognitive test on your brain to see where you're at psychologically. 
and um, Dr. Uh, uh, Bob Sammons, who's a Harvard expert on uh, a thing called transcranial magnetic stimulation, TMS, which a lot of people are using now. And it's a uh, way to fire some of the neuronal, neuronal pathways in your brain that maybe aren't really firing at this point in time. And then there's the, um, uh, Joe Namath is, is, is very, very a pro advocate of H, what's called HBOT, hyperbaric, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, which you get to kind of press, depressurize your brain and have a chance to sit in a chamber and, and uh, really has been wonderful to our, to our veterans who, by the way, each and every one of them, when they come back from, uh, from tour of duty, uh, we need to make sure that they're taken care of. Yeah. And our does an incredible job in this documentary talks about his uh, own path and his way of, uh, of dealing with some of the things and the demons that he had to deal with. But it's, it's very, very great. And Jerry did an amazing job and her staff did an amazing job. And we're very blessed to, for you guys, Eric and, and, and Neil, to give us the opportunity to, to talk on behalf of this. And, and I think that's one of the things that I, I, I feel very good and comfortable about talking is we don't have to stay broken. There's ways, there's, there's right. methods. There. So thank you guys for that. And there's, there's, I'm sorry. there's help, right? There's a community. So you're not alone. You're not, you're not stranded on an Island, which is, which is where this, this takes you and you feel just completely isolated and what's wrong and why are, you know, why me? And you don't want to say anything because, because honestly, you know, as a, as a, as a veteran of the military, as a, you know, professional athlete or collegiate athlete or whatever, you know, you're the strong person. Right. That's how you that's how you're viewed. I mean, and I mean, it just I mean, that was my dad as well. Right. He was always the big, strong guy who at 77 years old, still doing pushups every day. I mean, he was obese. And yet and yet your mind is just telling you otherwise and it's tearing you down from the inside out. And it's it's devastating. So, yeah, that's correct. I want to get to that, Mark, but I wanted to say. I don't know how many concussions I had as a professional wrestler. I've been hit with uh, trash cans, phones in the head, uh, chairs, everything in between. I've lucked out in a lot of ways of going back to become a teacher. So it's great to hear that there are therapies still available to help repair the brain because that's been out that once you have it, it's over. But your story is amazing. But how many concussions did you end up having playing in the NFL? Well, you know, it's, it's not, I wouldn't say it's necessarily uh, the concussions. Of course, the concussions are a, a serious traumatic brain injury. It's a, a yeah. cumulative effect of subconcussive hits, you know, and, and not let, allowing your brain to heal. I think the NFL has done a, a good job, as collegiate football has, as the high school football has, is giving your brain a week to rest in between right. games instead of going back in in full gear, full pads like uh, – Back, uh, Eric, when your dad played, I mean, I, I guarantee at SMU, they're full gear hitting every single day. And then uh, much like uh, your father, my, both my brothers were baseball catchers, played for the Canadian Olympic team and, and Canadian national team. And brother, brother Tim played five years in Toronto Blue Jay organization as catchers. Now they're at least they're, they're giving protection to the, um, those that, uh, you know, the vulnerable, that the receivers, the quarterbacks and positions where you're defenseless. And as a catcher, mm-hmm. you're also on an island there too, and you're defenseless. So there's ways Absolutely. now that there, there's ways now that the sport itself is changing its dynamics. The sport itself is changing its way of thinking to say, hey, how can we make this a little bit safer, a little bit better? Um, and I think that's the, the one thing that people are looking at now and, and at least starting to evaluate. And then hopefully it gets to a point where we don't have all these 
history exactly. of uh, with these brain related injuries. And um, I, I also know that um, I'm working as, as myself and Dr. Jake Van Landingham in, in Tallahassee, uh, Florida, and uh, Brett Favre and uh, Kurt Warner uh, of a drug yeah. called Pre- a drug called Prevacus. And basically, it's a nasal. Uh, you take it nasally and, and get get it into the cell membranes into your brain. Once you do have a concussive hit that actually alleviates some of the um, the swelling in the brain, it's a steroid drug that alleviates some of the swelling in the brain. So long term effects won't be uh, so bad as, as as some of us had when we were done. I mean, Neil, you just mentioned I it, right? Utilize it. Yeah, I can utilize it. That's great because I Brett on my show talking about that, but it was not released yet. So Brett came yes. on my show about three or four months ago, or maybe five months ago, you know, with COVID every day seems like the same day. So I can't really remember, yeah, but yeah, 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 but it scares me in so many ways of just how quickly it can happen with your father, Eric, especially. Mm-hmm. And then I, my, uh, my brother now, after my father was before he passed on, he started having dementia last very end of end of life and he was brilliant number one number two in the naval academy mit graduate just brilliant man yeah. and to see that happen eric i know you had to see that yeah. with your father too which really was hurting and tough yeah it's devastating and you know i think that's why the topic's so big you know neil and mark and and mark that's why i love that you are you're championing this cause right you guys have made a documentary Absolutely. but but you're not just some you know, living a legacy is about how, you know, celebrities and amazing people use their influence to impact the world, right? So you're not some schmo off the street that says, hey, this sounds like a great idea, but you've actually been in the trenches and, you know, you you are a name that people recognize because you were the Super Bowl 26 MVP, right? You were the quarterback of the Washington Redskins, even though we're, we're not supposed to call them that anymore, right? That, Washington football but, team. <laughs> yeah, the Washington football team. But, but Mark, that's, you know, so you actually, you know, when you, when you walk into a room and say, this is a big deal, it's more clout than some, even some doctor that's got a PhD and an MD, because they're like, what do you know about this? Right. And your story. So let's, you know, I know because your story is not just that you support it, but that you've walked through it. So I would love for you to share a little with, uh, you know, our listeners of just, you know, your story of how you got into, you know, maybe of getting into football and, and, and some favorite you know, stories of being in the NFL, but then also kind of why your connection to uh, today's topic. Well, first of all, the platform that, uh, that we have and the opportunity we have as, as, as a celebrity. And um, I think Andrew Mars as, as our uh, men and women in the service that served mm-hmm. our country, Andrew has a lot of clout just from that standpoint and, and respecting and honoring and to the likes of your father and the, the memory of your father, the memory of, all our servicemen and women, 23, 20 to 23 of our servicemen and women will commit suicide today. And yeah. if, we can, if we can use our platform, if we can help in some way, shape or form to save one of them, we've done ourselves a service and we need to do our service to all those. And especially with COVID this year, we're going to have a lot, of, lot more mental health issues to have to deal with than, than we have before. And unfortunately, our, uh, the government, one of the things they cut first is um, dollars that go to mental health treatment. So if we can get this out there and show that there's other venues, other avenues to, to, uh, uh, to get involved with and, and help you through your, your process, I think that's, that's incredible because I've been through the best of best, hoisting a Lombardi trophy and celebrating and cheering yeah. to the worst of worst, losing a, 
uh, a son at the age of three to a brain tumor to where I spiraled downhill to not necessarily addiction, addiction into sexual addiction versus alcohol and drugs. My addiction got me in such a place, such a bad place in my life that I wanted to make sure that my vulnerability and, and to tell people that, hey, I was I thought about checking out. I tried it once. And and yeah. um, fortunately, uh, it, it, I failed, you know, and and thank goodness I did, because now I can be a, a platform and a champion for uh, for someone that's been to the rock bottom, been all the way to the worst, the worst, the darkest hole that I've ever been in my life. And to uh, rise up about that and, and help others out and, and tell them that there is help on the way and there's ways that they can get help and, and be treated and, and, and feel good about themselves. And I'm saying treat, treated in a way, not with opioids and, and painkillers and, and drugs that, that you know, they, you, you're, you've been diagnosed with depression or the doctor's going to give you some drugs to get you out the door. We're talking about natural causes like Dr. Gordon talks about documentary we're talking about about dr amond and and the spec scans and the psychiatric psychology behind what you're dealing with how you're dealing with it and they're understanding the education that you can as an individual to understand what you're going through and say hey it's not just you there's a lot of us out there right there's a lot of us out there that are that are having issues and going through issues a hyper hyperbaric oxygen therapy to the tms transcranial magnetic stimulation to all these different platforms and all these different modalities that can help um treat what you're what you're dealing with and that you're not alone you're you're in you're in the actually the majority of people that are are struggling with uh, depression struggling with uh suicide ideology struggling with your own brain health through a traumatic brain injury to uh post-concussive hits to cte you know i mean unfortunately with cte it's only diagnosed after after you're not here anymore and that's uh, uh we want to get we want to get our all these modalities out there, these treatments out there so that people will become more cognitive, aware, get help so that they don't have to deal with the latter stages of their life as your father did and, and others have. Right. And, and I just, I just, I just, um, and, and believe wholeheartedly in this. I'm working with uh, one of the leading experts in, in the world, uh, Dr. Heidi Hanna, who's uh, uh, stress, probably the, the, the one of the greatest neuroscientists and stress doctors, and they're using quiet explosions in their class uh, teachings at Harvard University. So this is going to be, yeah, I think, a, a, a definitely a, a, an opening, a, an opportunity, and a chance for to people to get help. Mark, now, when Absolutely. I think about this, and I'm just like, you know, blown away, what symptoms did you have that led to that spiral? Because, you know, you're, people need to definitely see the documentary to see truly the spiral you went through and the challenges. I mean, if you read the bio on it and everyone needs to check that out and that'll be available in the show notes, uh, you went through really, but when did it start? When did it kind of give people ideas of symptoms that are athletes that they I think, to see? Yeah. Yeah. I think one, one of the things that you, you, you look at is uh, for me, through maybe predominantly my whole life, you know, living up in the Pacific Northwest, a lot of people have uh, what they call sad seasonal affective disorder. Where mm-hmm. in come, come October, you got from the fall, when the fall starts to the end of winter, where you're not seeing the sun a lot. You're not getting some of the stimul- stimulation that you need. Um, and so you become very depressed and very down. And then you add to that, uh, you know, my uh, playing football, you know, that's, uh, that's another one. Um, the death of your ch- child, that's mm-hmm. not supposed to happen in our, in our life. Right. Um, you know, the, 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 the the, the passing of my mom and it's so certain things that can create uh, these uh, triggers, you know, you might say that can spiral you down 
uh, a, a rabbit hole that you, you can't come back come back from. And so I think it's um, not necessarily a I had headaches or anything of that nature. It was just a time where your your body, your chemistry, your body. And I think the other thing is too is your body when when you look at brain health and you look at uh, feeding your brain the right things. When you you get to a point where you know, I'm probably 40 pounds heavier when I played, that's inflammation right. throughout your body. So sure. when you had depression into that and you had all these other triggers or all these other things that uh, create um, an environment that is not good, you can see how it, you know, you can, you can get a little lost and, and not know where to go. So um, that's, that's predominantly what I, what I deal with is I, my, my body needs, my brain needs and is a healthier environment for me to be in. And, these, these modalities that I'm telling you about, I haven't tried the HBOT, but uh, Jim McMahon, a good friend of mine, has, has used hyperbaric oxygen therapy in, in his treatment. A lot of the, the uh, uh, guys in the documentary, one was a surfer who had a traumatic brain injury surfing. Another one's they have uh, survivor guilt, uh, Sebi, um, right. who's a, a, a fire net, a New York firefighter who lost almost his whole platoon to 9-11. Yeah. And so these are, these are ways that they're going to get, it. I'm going to try hyperbaric oxygen therapy. I'm going to also try Dr. Gordon's hormonal therapy to see if, what, what am I deficient of? You know, what am I, um, what do I need? What does my body naturally need? Not, not necessarily through drugs, right. but what does my body naturally need? And, and then go about doing that and see if that helps. And I think when you look at this documentary, you're going to find out that those that have used these methods um, are, are doing incredible especially our servicemen and women that we got to take care of so there are i mean there are obvious situations like you mentioned of just the 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 major impact of, of losing platoon in, in 9-11 as a fireman or or losing your child which nobody should ever right i mean that's it's so there's there's major traumas like that um you know if if you are if you're talking to a spouse or children of someone that's done this, is there certain things that you would tell them, you know, look out for these signs? Is there, is there any kind of telltale signs other than just, they're just depressed. They're, they're putting on weight. Is it kind of the same signs? Oh, of depression there, yeah, that's good. Good, 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 good point. There's irritability. There's uh, you know, being, being somebody that uh, uh, shuts down, you know, I mean, as, as someone that, you know, has been, been to the, enjoys being around people you stop you stop wanting to be isolate yourself you know and and uh it's almost like you've 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 kind of created this own little you know bubble that you're in and it's not who you are you know and it's uh so i think i think all all spouses and and family members can uh see certain uh, i know the there we're looking at doing an app and we're still trying to look at doing an app it's called got your six or something to that extent you know yeah yeah basically what it what it comes from is that having a core and a group of people that, that know that, Hey, they see yeah. something. Yeah. They understand that there's something's not right. And they can say, Hey, how are you doing? You know, reach out to you, maybe go to say, let's you and I go to the gym together because a lot of times what you do is when you're not feeling good and, and uh, you wake up that morning say, yeah, I know I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do that. Next thing you know, you're not doing any of that. Then you're, 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 you're spiraling down that, that rabbit hole again, that's not going to, not going to end well. So Eric, one of the things I make a mistake is, I mean, I I know is from, you know, too many shots to the head is I don't remember people's names. That's it. I mean, everything else I can tell you stories, remember everything, but then when people's names come, 
it's yeah. like, okay, so I understand what, <laughs> thank goodness, a lot of things I don't go through. I can, I have like almost not a photographic memory, Mark, but I can remember every conversation I have, but I can't remember the person's name. It's the weirdest thing in the wow. world. Yeah, I can remember every conversation I have with anybody, be able to retell that conversation, say, I remember telling that. But then if you say, and then if I go on stage, like when I go on Clubhouse, which is a new platform, and they say, who have you interviewed? It's hard for me to list 10 to 12 people who I've interviewed yeah. that are celebrities. It's very yeah. strange. And Eric's caught me at times. Like, remember when I interviewed that person, Neil, I know exactly that person. I can't, I can't find it. So Eric, those are the kind of things that happen do yeah. this and i'm fearful and that's why i'm so glad mark is doing this great work so go ahead eric and uh and then mark what fantastic. can yeah yeah mark what can okay so you recognize the symptoms um what are what are some things that that steps that people can do if, if they're seeing that hey i'm i'm experiencing this or that could be me right raising your hand yeah. is the yeah. first step but then yeah. also if you're a family member if you're someone who loves you know someone that's been in the military that's been a an athlete or been, you know, whatever that's had a traumatic event, like what are, where are some places that they can get help? Well, I think this, watching the documentary, you'll find there's uh, you know, yeah. uh, we, we all have a psychologist or, or psych psychiatrist, you know, that try to guide you and, and, and give you, and I think they're very valuable. Obviously they're very valuable. Absolutely. For yeah. many reasons. Um, there's, you know, I mean, you're, you're a lot of people to, have groups, whether it be church groups or, or support groups. And, and I think those are awesome. Uh, and then I think there's these other modalities I'm yeah. telling you about is uh, the hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Try that. See if it, see if that might be the, I know in, in, in uh, Israel, that is one of the biggest, especially with COVID and uh, what's going on. One of the biggest industries now is HBOT. And oh, really? anyone yeah. look at HBOT, you can find area uh, places in your, in your state, in your city that might have these and see if they're, your insurance covers them and see if you can get this um, therapy. And I think is, would be great. A lot of insurance companies don't cover TMS, but what does happen is after all they exhaust yourself with all these drugs to deal with depression, and everything like that. And there's, you're still not getting any, anything from that. Uh, yeah. They will uh, cover TMS, which is transcranial magnetic stimulation, which I think should be in every VA hospital across the world or, or hospital across the U.S. They should have TMS treatments for all our vets so that they can find out what is, you know, I mean, like Andrew, you, you look at Andrew. Andrew was the head of the bomb squad in Afghanistan. He had to deal with the front line explosions, TBIs. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, my goodness. Watching some of his comrades, you know, not come home with him. Uh, putting them, you know, putting their caskets on a on a plane to their head back to their loved ones, and th those are those are things that's not natural. Those these these are not exactly. natural things, you know. And so when that happens, and your brain starts going there, and then they you go and see a doctor, a psychiatrist, and they prescribe you a, 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 a drug or an opioid or something to try to calm you down, and you find out that next thing you know, you got fifteen different drugs in a bag, and and when you see his documentary, he says, I took this bag of drugs and I threw it out, threw it into the garbage. And I got some natural hormonal treatment because I was deficient in these certain areas. And right. that was what saved his life. Basically exactly. saved his life. Wow. You know? See, so, I love to know there's treatment because I remember, you know, Dr. Amalu and the, uh, what you remember the name? Yeah. Yeah. Concussion. Yeah. Yeah. I did, and, I, and I'm hoping that there are treatments and it's great that things that are coming out. And Mark, I 
think you seem so with it, meaning like nothing that shows me that you have any traumatic brain injury at all, the way you're talking. And I'm very, you're very blessed to see the recovery. And I'm glad to see that. And I hope that I want to be provide more than just this interview, Mark. So I'll stay in touch. I'll also say say one other thing in closing too, is that I have, have, have taken another cognitive test and my cognitive scores are out the roof. There's certain areas, certain things that, uh, that I'd have to, you know, that are, 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 I wouldn't say problematic, but are a concern that I need to have, but my cognitive skills from, uh, you know, playing a sport that's pretty, you know, not normal, you know, to play professional football, but <laughs> it's, um, you know, and, and get banged around quite a bit. My cognitive scores are very good and very high. And I've just took this test recently again, and it just shows the improvement that I have with the TMS treatment that I've had and, and uh, just being around. And, and also there's a, there's a, there's a place where you're, your heart and your soul and your body chemistry works on the fact that we don't have to stay broken. You know, we are broken. Yes, but we don't have to stay broken. And there's ways that we can all feel that uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and we can get there as we work collectively or individually and then collectively as a group. And for you guys to, to help those that are in need, anyone with it, it could be just a one-time incident that could create this spiral effect. It's not necessarily a cumulative effect, but it could be one car accident. It could be, one slip and fall yeah. and hit your head on the ice, you know, as you have in Pittsburgh there, you guys see ice there about every other month, you know, in, in this time of year. And so for sure. yeah, it's, it's, there is help out there. I just want uh, people to know that. Thank you guys for Absolutely. sharing. Oh, you're welcome. Well, and I love, I love your point about, you know, there is help. Right. And, and I love the fact that, yeah, there's, you know, watch the documentary, see that there are, you know, experts and there's people from all walks of life doctors and psychiatrists and professional athletes and military and, you know, every, all these different areas are coming to this one focus of trying to bring some solutions. Uh, and I love that. But also, Mark, I love the fact that you that you brought it down and that you included, hey, you know what, there's there's don't discount that local church, don't local psychologist yes. counselor, right, because they're right there, right? We need to have that you know, we want to have that global, hey, there's there's people working on a much bigger scale, but there's also, there's someone that's right there for me, right? And that's where these local groups are absolutely critical. Um, oh, so right. thank you for bringing that right. to, oh, yeah. you know, and continuing to discuss it. Um, well, and then I, with that, as, as about at the beginning, right, our, our show is about using your influence to impact the world. And a question we like to ask everybody is, you know, you're using your influence today by bringing this documentary and speaking out, but, but when you're gone, what, what do you want your legacy to be? I want my legacy. One is, is uh, the, the ability to take something that is not, not natural, uh, losing a child, honoring, yeah. honoring my son, Andrew, mm-hmm. and helping others in the, uh, in the uh, pediatric oncology arena and making the lives better of children and the families of children that are going through cancer a little bit more palatable, a little bit more easier. That's the legacy I'd like to do locally. Um, I'd love to do it globally, but we can yeah. start locally and be able to do that. Globally, I'd like to say that um, coming out and being vulnerable and, and, and spilling my, not everything that I went through, but a lot of what I went through and to know that I was broken, I still am broken, yeah. but I am getting the help that I need yeah. and I'm not gonna ever stop until uh, we can share with the world, world our experience and to help others get through their uh, downfalls, their TBIs, their 
depression, their PTSD, yes. and all the things that uh, create some, some very, very challenging times in one's life. Wow, that's just amazing. And where can we, where can we watch the documentary? Where is the best place, Mark, to watch the documentary? I think, I think you can get it on Amazon is, is the best place. I think you can purchase it. I don't know if it's on okay. Netflix yet, but uh, uh, it's called Quiet Explosions. And, um, you know, Joe Rogan had uh, Dr. Gordon and, and, and uh, Andrew Marr on there. And Joe Rogan uh, loved the man for making sure that our men and women that come back, that are serving now, that have served, and that will continue to serve are always taking care of. Joe does an incredible job. And to have Andrew on there and talk about his being vulnerable and exposing his whole life and, um, and then having Mark Gordon be able to uh, uh, help in, in guiding these people in, in whatever way they can. All right. Well, fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you again, um, Mark, for stopping by. And uh, guys, again, Eric, what another great guest. I mean, another legacy guest for sure. What he's doing. Absolutely. Mark, thanks for joining us. This was great. Absolutely thanks, enjoyed Eric. having you today. Appreciate it. And Neil, thank you so much. You're Appreciate welcome, Mark. It. Okay. And uh, we'll say hail to the Washington football team. Instead of, <laughs> I had to say that I had to. <laughs> Again, a huge fan. Doesn't, of, doesn't really flow, does it? No, <laughs> it doesn't. We have to come up with. The, hopefully, they come up with a new name soon. But uh, good talking to you, Mark. Thanks. Appreciate All right, guys, that was living the legacy. Thank Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security video since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K through 12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensec's enterprise-level video management software, Perspective VMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit Lensec.com. And now back to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Living a Legacy, and I'm excited to welcome to the program, Eric Couch. Eric, how are you? And I know you're excited. I, You know, Neil, I am really excited. And, you know, we are, we are freezing here in Dallas. It's been snowing more than it has, I think, in history. Um, but we're going to heat it up with our conversation because today we have, we have a true celebrity. Uh, he has been on... 500 stages nationwide. He's been on The Tonight Show over 60 times. He's been on The Late Show with David Letterman, even, even co-hosted when David was out. And he is shaking hands. Well, we'll get there. Today, we have none other than Tom Driesen. Tom, welcome to the show. 
Thank you, Eric, and uh, and 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 thank you, Neil. As I told Neil, I've done a lot of shows in Pittsburgh, but I've also done a lot of shows in Dallas. You know, right. you guys are, you're not sure if you're in Dallas or in Chicago today. Is that <laughs> right, right now. I, I, like, to I can look out my window. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. it's cold, buddy. I can't believe um, what that, Texas has gone through this week. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, the snow's not that bad. It's only, you know, it's, it's three to six inches outside. It's just the infrastructure is just not built for it. So uh, a lot of people have lost power. Um, you know, grocery stores are empty, gas stations are sold out, uh, but there's no electricity for heating, you know, so that's the issue is, you know, propane sold out, firewood sold out, and people are without electricity and water. So that's the issue, not so much, you know, we can get with cold, um, but being in a big city. So, you know, we're just, we're just trying to support our neighbor. I went to the grocery store earlier and just bought groceries and texted all the neighbors on the street and said, hey, I'm at the store, what do you need? And several said, Hey, bring me milk, bring me bread. And, you know, we just, just support each other, right? That's what we're called to do. So Tom, let's hear about you. You've got some amazing stories, your life being the main one. Well, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have, I have a, that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. <clears throat> I have a book I'll call Still Standing, My yeah. Journey from Streets and Saloons to the Stage and Sinatra. And that's basically uh, still standing as a double entendre because obviously I've been a stand-up comedian for 51 years now. This is uh, my 51st year in show business. And I'm still standing, and I've been knocked down a lot in my life. And if you read the book, I was knocked down physically and, and yeah. I kept getting up. And in, in show business, rejections are enormous. So, but no matter what happened in my life, I would pick, as Frank Sinatra would sing in that song, That's Life, I picked myself up and got back in the, you know. So that's, that's right. I, it, it's basically, if you can sum it up in, in a sentence or two, it's, I had eight brothers and sisters. We lived in a shack on the south side of Chicago, a suburb called Harvey, Illinois. And, uh, you know, eight kids, we lived in a shack. If, if a window broke, you stuck a rag in it. If you have holes in your shoes, you put cardboard in it. And I would go shine shoes and all the bars in my neighborhood. Harvey, Illinois was a, a microcosm of Chicago. It had steel mills and factories and blue collar people uh, that uh, worked hard every day. Uh, and the mantra in the neighborhood was, you only deserve in life what you work for. And I, I was out with my brother when I was eight. I was shining shoes in all the bars in my neighborhood. And all those bars that I shined shoes in, uh, Sinatra was on the jukebox. And so the book is basically about this little boy who shines shoes to help raise money to feed his brothers and sisters. And he's hearing Frank Sinatra on all these jukeboxes. And one day that little boy is carrying Frank Sinatra's coffin out of a church in Beverly Hills, California. So it's that journey of that little boy and all that happens in between, you know, my years in the service, my coming out of the service, the struggles that I went through, married three kids, and then uh, uh, meeting Tim Reed, becoming America's first black and white comedy team. History yeah. shows we were, last, you, know, um, you know, we did that for six years. Tim later went on to become Venus Flytrap and WKRP Cincinnati. And, yes, uh, he was. So many other shows, you know, and, th but then, and, and we're still the best of friends to this day. Uh, in, in fact, we wrote a book years ago called Tim and Tom and American Comedy in Black and White. But this is my story. And uh, it's, it's just been so much fun, uh, you know, with this book, because I, all the years that I toured in show business, when I started out, wherever I went, whatever, whenever something poignant or something funny happened, I would go back to the room and journal that. Yeah, I would write that story down, exactly. something that I thought was profound or something that moved me or something that made me laugh, you know, 
And so I collected all these stories and eventually um, I had them all in a big binder and I was gonna think about writing a book for my grandchildren because one day my grandchildren's gonna, are gonna, my grandchildren are gonna have children and they're gonna say, what was your grandpa like? And they say, well, here's a book. Yeah. And meanwhile, a guy, a guy from Dallas, wonderful guy, Darren Grubb, and a guy from New York named Johnny Russo called me and I said, hey, we've got to deal with the publisher and we want to write a book about your life. Uh, we think that you've had an interesting journey. And I said, guys, I already wrote this thing, but you could sure help me with the narrative and the, right. and the other thing. And so we put this book in, and, and, and knock on wood, it's getting rave reviews, you know. Yeah, well. Here, I'll, I'll hold it up. There you, go. you can't see it because it blurs. And it, and it, you can get it on it. Okay, that's a lot the good old Zoom uh, uh, green screens. You can't hold up the book. There you go. Definitely. There, I'll hold it. I'll hold it up there for you. you. You can see it there. Awesome. You know, yeah, so, very- so there's there's the cover of the book. Yes, absolutely. So now, Tom. I, yeah. Go ahead. Eric. Go ahead, Neil. No, I was gonna. No, I wanted you to go to the next question, but Tom, I could just see he's so excited, Eric, about the book releasing. It's like this is something one of, of all his major accomplishments, but I'm sure Eric, you, you can ask that question, but I could see Tom's excited right. to talk about this book. Yeah, so Tom, there's a million questions we would love to ask, and I, I know we won't have time to get into, you know, even a small portion of them, but I would love to start, right? So you have a, you, you spent 14 years uh, with Sinatra as the opening act in that relationship, but even prior to that, you and Sinatra both grew up uh, from very meager earnings, uh, beginnings with, with you know, uh, growing up on the streets and then also, you know, being in saloons and performing in saloons. And so you have that camaraderie as well. Uh, I would love to f- you to fill us in on kind of some of those beginnings that you share and then uh, your relationship with, with Sinatra. Yeah, well, you know, the way I got the gig with Sinatra, <clears throat> I was... I, I, I was a, a veteran by that time. I had done about 35 Tonight Shows. I, after I did my first appearance on the Tonight Show, I never stopped working from that day on. The Tonight Show was just a turning point. In 1975, wherever you went in America, people say, yeah. what do you do for a living? You say, I'm a stand-up comedian. The next question out of their mouth was, oh yeah, you ever been on Johnny Carson? If you haven't been on Johnny Carson in the eyes of America, you just want to, and you might want to be one. You might going to be one, but you weren't one now. And right. so getting on that show, uh, Freddie Prince appearance on The Tonight Show, the next day he had a sitcom. So in 1975, when the comedy team split up, all of us migrated, comedians all across the land migrated to the West Coast called The Comedy Store. It was the only yeah. comedy there at the time. Uh, later, later, the improv came in the Laugh Factory, but at that time, it was the only game in town. So mm-hmm. you had to get on at the Comedy Store so that you could get the talent coordinators from these other shows to see you. So the pressure of auditioning for the comedy store was as much pressure as the Tonight Show, practically, because if Mitzi Shore, the owner of the comedy store, didn't like you, you're going back home. Right. It's, it's over because of the place to work. So the excitement was there. Comedy was the rock and roll of the 70s. But to the America, getting on the Tonight Show, you were established. But to my industry, you weren't established till Johnny sat you down and talked to you. So just doing stand-up yeah. on the Tonight Show established you. But when Johnny, Johnny talked to you, then you had arrived, you know. So uh, uh, th- that was our goal, you know. Uh, and, and so after I did my first appearance on the Tonight Show, my whole life changed. I never, mm-hmm. that, after that first appearance, uh, I, I was, um, and let me describe that to you if I can. You know, yeah. you get there, and I 
audition. I auditioned with a couple of new, uh, a comedy team and a new kid named Billy Crystal. I don't know whatever happened to him, but I'm I think I've heard of him. Yeah, I think I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't know Neil and Eric, and I do. So he yeah. made it this But uh, the first time when I passed the audition and they gave me a date, I go to the tonight. I'm all excited. You're telling them, and I'm in the unemployment line. I got a wife and three kids, and, and I can hardly get rent money. And, and now I go there, and I, they put me in makeup, and then they take you up to your dressing room then they bring you down later on to the green room because you're getting ready to go on and then they take you behind this big dark curtain and you're ready to go out in front of 26 million people and wow. uh, that every buyer from vegas was watching that show all the managers the agents who are uh this is that moment this is that thing that you hear about your whole life about seize the moment you know in sports right. i've heard say the moment comes and you got to seize that moment and and this is that you know that that song but Whitney Houston did that one moment in time where I'm just a heartbeat away when all of my dreams are just a heartbeat away and, and, and the answers are all up to me. You know, that's what it's like standing behind and, for, and 26 million people watch that show. Well, they get me there, make green room. I mean, upstairs, make a, the dressing room, then green room. And they come and tell me, we ran out of time. You got to come back next week. Oh, so no. now I come back next week. They bump me. I come back next week, make up, dressing room, green room, ready to go on. We ran out of time. They did that three weeks in a row to me. <laughs> and I haven't eaten in three weeks, right? So now, <laughs> so now the fourth time I go there, I'm in the makeup room and Fred DeCordova, the producer came in and he said, I got bad news for you. I said, what? He said, you're going on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> now you get a lump in your throat about the size of a grapefruit, you know, and uh, but now it's time to go. When it's time to do the show, they take that long walk with you and after I became a veteran of the show, the stage hands and everybody would say, hey, Dreesen, how's your Cubs? Hey, Tommy, how's your, oh, hello. But that right. first, when you're taking that long walk to go behind that curtain, the stage hands all turn their back on you and they whisper, it's his first time, it's his first time, you know. Now you get behind that curtain and, and uh, the, uh, the coordinator said, oh, you're right, you sound fine. He leaves you alone. And now you're all alone with your thoughts and they're in commercial break. Doc Severinsen's playing and you're in commercial break. Yeah. And, all of a sudden the music stops and your heart stops because the curtain starts lighting up and you're back live and, and your heart stops. Oh boy, 20, you, 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 if I bomb here, <laughs> my dreams, all my dreams, everything is out the window. Not only that, my mother had everybody back in Harvey, Illinois watching the show, so I can't even go back. Oh home. yeah, you, everybody's uh, watching. Uh, so now you hear Johnny say, we're back now. And I'm glad you're in such a good mood tonight because my next guest is making his first appearance on The Tonight Show. Would you welcome, please, Tom Dreesen? Now, that I'm glad you're in such a good mood tonight. That's a, He never does it on any other appearance. You know, I, I did 61 appearances after that, but he, but that first wow. time, he gets that line. I'm glad you're in such a good mood tonight. And they open that curtain, and you walk out, and oh, my God, the bright lights, you can't see the audience. Uh, you can only see the on camera, the red light. There's a mark on the right. floor you have to hit. You hit that mark, and and and, and now the, it stops. And, and I got that first joke out. I got a laugh. And I got the second joke and the third joke and pretty sure I'm getting applause. Then I hear Johnny and Ed McMahon laughing behind me. And now I'm on a roll. <laughs> yeah. I'm on a roll. I got eight applause. And now I close with, I say, you've been a marvelous audience. Show business is a tough life. So this is my first appearance on the tonight show. If you like me, just if you like me and you're Protestant, say a prayer. If you're Catholic, light a candle. If you're Jewish, somebody in your family owns a nightclub. Tell them about me. We are please not say tonight. <laughs> I go to the 
And the coordinator comes running up and he said, go back, Johnny, call me back for a second bow. I went back through the curtain for another bow and he gave you that little circle like this. Yeah. And I never stopped working from that day on. I, I, I started doing Dinah Shore, Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas, Johnny Carson, Midnight Special, Rock Concert, Soul Train, American Bandstand, Hollywood Squares, a $20,000 pyramid. I was doing all the shows, touring with yeah. uh, Max and Tony Orlando and Don and, and, and Frankie Avalon and James Darren and uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips and Natalie Cole and Smokey Robinson. They were all calling me because they needed a comedian who could work clean because um, they had family audiences. But it eventually yeah. to Frank Sinatra, you know. Wow. Wow. I just, I have to, the question, I could see what you, I can picture because I, I lived it once, but not to the level you did, Tom. I did WWE TV. I used to be a professional wrestler, but I went and wore those lights and it was seven, it was about 13,000 people. And I walk out a nobody doing TV taping. It wasn't a squash match. But it was a match that I lost in a tag team. But I remember walking out lights and like my heart stops. I know exactly what happened, Tom. So did you think you were going to kill it that night? And then Eric will have the next question. Well, you know, I, 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 you, know you never know, because you never know how that audience is going to be. In, in your whole comedy career, you never know, you know how it's going to be. And so you, 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 all you can do is, is hope. But when I got that first laugh, that really helped in the second laugh, and then I, then, I, then I start getting in a rhythm. The hardest part was I was so used to my whole career looking and seeing your faces in the audience. But I couldn't right. see them all dark, you know, but you could hear them. And, and, and so that, that was, you know, I, you never know how it's going to be, how the audience is going to be. So it's always a big surprise, you know. Right. Right. Well, and as, as you mentioned, you know, getting on with Carson is a game changer. It's a life changer because the whole world watched Carson every night. I mean, it kind of came to a standstill and you turned on Johnny Carson. So, well, television you know, was very small. You know, it was ABC, NBC, CBS. Television was this big. Today, yeah. you've got that channel selected. There's 800 stations you can go to. Yeah. There was no cable television in those days. So everybody watched that. You know, that's why, and, and another question you'll probably ask online, but that's why I work clean because people say, when you work in our business, when you use the F word or, or you talk about sexual in the end of it, they call that working blue. You know, did you yeah. work blue? We, well, I'm in show business. That's two words, show and business. And, and, and for me to be a success, I had to get on the Tonight Show. Well, how do you get on the Tonight Show? As a businessman, you watch the show and saw what the comedians were doing. They were writing material that could make grandma and grandpa, mom and dad and the kids laugh. Yeah. You couldn't work off color. So that was crucial uh, in, in those days. And in, in in, in Carson, he launched careers. I mean, you know, a pathway to stardom as a stand-up comedian. And in the 70s, comedy was the rock and roll of the 70s. People yeah. were getting every night at the comedy store. It was so exciting. You know, it's, all that's in that book, too, uh, that I wrote. All that, all that excitement at that era, you know. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I, I would love your input for people today and comedians today um, because you don't see a lot of clean comedy, right? You turn on serious and and all of that. And it's, it's not real family friendly. Um, you know, what would, what would be your message to someone or, you know, that's, that's wanting to be a comedian, but trying to figure out how to keep it clean and be funny. And, you know, what's your message to people today? Well, there's only one rule in comedy, be funny. That's yeah. the only rule. Be funny. Now, you know, I, I tell young comedians, aside from 
a stand-up comedian. That's what I am. First, last, and always. I'm a stand-up comedian in my heart, body, and soul. But I also give motivation talks. I, I, I've read literally hundreds of books on the powers of the mind. And, and it, it fascinated me. So I give motivation talks to corporate America, to colleges, to universities. But I give a specific one to comedians called The Joy of Stand-Up Comedy and How to Get There. You know, but I, I, I always tell the young comedians, challenge yourself. Start your first hour of comedy that you're going to write. And by the way, I don't think you can survive as a stand-up comedian over a long period of time unless you're also a good writer. Now, if you're wealthy, you can buy jokes, you know. Right. But for the most part, when you start out, you got to be a good writer. So I say challenge your writing skills. Try to write material that can make grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, and the kids laugh. You know, <clears throat> challenge your creativity. You know, the, with the F word, it's a noun, it's a pronoun, it's an adjective, it's an adverb. Anytime you're in trouble, you go there. Hey, a funny story. Recently at the Laugh Factory, two young comedians, I was upstairs, <clears throat> going to try out some new material and see the two comedians around the corner. And they didn't know I was around the corner. And one of them, I was looking at my notes because I was on next. And one of the comedians said, Tom Dreesen is here tonight. And the other comedian said, oh, yeah, he's old school. And the other comedian, the young kid, he said, what do you mean old school? He said, well, he doesn't use the F word. And the other kid said, he doesn't use the F word. What does he use for adjectives? <laughs> and I stuck my head around the corner. I stuck my head around the corner and I said, adjectives. That's what <laughs> I, I use adjectives for adjectives. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So my, my point of that is that it's lazy writing. I mean, and, and, and the other thing too in comedy, if you use an adjective too much, it loses its effect. So about the 15th right. time you say the F word, you, 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 if, you, if you did it first to shock me, okay, I'm shocked. You know, that you said, I'm not shocked, but, but at my age, I'm, I'm shocked, you know, but, but uh, young kids, they think pushing the envelope, you know, that's not a challenge to your creativity. Now, if, if afterward, you know, by the way, I would never tell you what kind of comedy to do. Afterward, if, if that didn't work for you, then, 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 you know, go any way you want to go, you know. Right. It depends. See, I can make more money on one corporate date than you can make for the whole month, the whole month at a comedy club. Right. One corporate in AT&T, IBM, American. Now, if you're in a, if you're a headliner and you, 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 you people coming to your show that you can do whatever material you want. They paid to see you, you know, you're right. a headliner, an opening act and the headliner's paying you. They can dictate policy. If you go to a corporation, they can dictate policy. The head of the corporation right. of, of IBM or something say, hey, fella, my audience are our clients and my employees and, and I don't want you to offend anybody. I got some born again Christians or very Orthodox Jews in my audience or whatever they say. So if they're paying, they, they can dictate policy. So that's why I like to have a wealth of material. I could do a stag roast with the best of them. I'm a street guy. I don't have a degree from academia, but I got a doctorate from the streets. I grew up on right. the streets. I know every dirty joke there was or ever will be. I can, and I can tell them, <laughs> you know, but I want to make a, I want, I want to make a living in this business. Yeah. So another question for you that goes right along the same lines is a lot of people think, oh, I'm funny. I'll just walk on stage and tell jokes. So talk to us about preparation. How, how long do you prep before you actually take it live on a stage? Well, when you've been doing it for years, you've got a wealth of material in your brain. Right. Still right. Always, I still will draw it out. I'll write it out. And I'll, and I'll say, okay, if, if, if Frank Sinatra said to me, Tom, I want you to do 20 minutes tonight. And then next night, he might say, I want you to do 30. Another night, she'd do 45. We're in a big coliseum, you know, 20,000 seat arena or something like that. 
you know, so I always prepare. I'll sketch and then I'll write some new material about the town that we're in. I'll, I'll try to come up with some ideas about the local mm -hmm. area and stuff like that, but about being prepared. But the, the, when, when the bell rings, you know, when you walk out there, when the bell rings, I, I teach this to young comedians. It's a conversation, not presentation. I write that mm -hmm. on the blackboard. Is it your act? You damn right it's your act, but it's your job to make it look like it's not an act. It's a conversation, not a presentation. So when you walk I out like that. Yeah, when, when you walk out there, it's as if I were to say to you or, or Eric or Neil, and, or if your wife says to you, hey, we got 25 people in the living room and I'm making dinner for all of them, but it's not going to be ready for 20 minutes. Right. Go out there and tell them some stories about, about Dallas and the snow. Or, and Neil, talk about the, the seed. You know those funny stories you tell about the Steelers or the Right, right. So I get dinner ready. So you walk out into your living room. Hey, dinner's going to be ready in 20 minutes. I got to tell you something. I went to a Steeler game last week and, you know, it's a conversation. It's an act now. So when you walk out on stage every night, it's not their house. It's our house. What intimidates most young comedians is they're thinking they're in somebody else's territory. I'm walking out and this is their, their house. This is every, every stage we walk on. This is our stage. If they could do what we do, they'd be up here. They can't. So they're out there. Right. So own, own it, own that stage. Exactly. This is my house. And it's, and it's a conversation, like I say, not a presentation. It's a conversation. Now, by the way, you're nervous, you're frightened. Sure. Most entertainers are. Yeah. The audience know that. The audience has no idea. You they know, have so, no idea. So, you know, they have no idea. So, again, walk out to, and, and you take, take command, you know. Uh, but also, the other thing I tell them, have fun. And the audience has fun. Exactly. Have fun. You know, when you're walking on a stage, you know, in that master of ceremonies, if you're just up there, to, but you walk up with a big smile on your face, you came to have fun. You smile at them, they smile back at you, you know, and, 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 and even when it's not going good, have fun, yeah. you know, because the audience wants you to have fun. Now, I Tom, can tell you. Right. So, Tom, when you talk about having to be the opener always for Frank Sinatra, what did Frank tell you if some nights you weren't on, you didn't have that? like really going to get them to get the audience going for when Frank would come on after you. Did he ever have those conversations where you just didn't, it was not the crowd was not into it or was, didn't hit. We always call like the opening match in a wrestling show that really sets the stage for the whole night. You're the one that's setting that stage for Frank Sinatra. Did Frank, did Frank ever give you that feedback and stuff like that? Certain nights that just didn't hit it. No, I got to tell you, but my, my, I, I I have to tell you that, and I'm not making this up. I mean, I never had a bad night with Frank Sinatra because his audiences came to play. They came, oh, no. they were their hero. And they figured yeah. if I was on that, if, if Frank, Frank, he hired the best arrangers, the best musicians, the best of all he hired, they would assume he wasn't going to hire a bad comedian. I mean, and also by the time I was touring with Frank, I'd already done 35 or 40 Tonight Shows. So I did have some recognition. I was doing all the other shows too, you know, so I did have some recognition, but Here's the key. When I when, now I toured with Sammy Davis, Smokey Robinson. They drew uh, uh, 1,200 people, 1,500 people, 2,000. When I opened for Frank, 20,000 people in Hawaii, right. 40,000, and these big coliseums. So if I were to say to you, I'll say to you, Eric or Neil, here's your assignment. We're at the Nassau Coliseum, say in in New York. There's 20,000 people out there. The show's about to start. 20,000 people in the audience, and it's in the round. You're not. You're not working proscenium where everybody's in front of you. You're in, the, you're in the middle and they're behind you. They're to the left, to the right. They're all yeah. around you. Okay. I say, okay, Neil, Eric, um, here's the thing. There's 20,000 people out there. It's five minutes before the show now. 
I want you to go out there and I want you for the next 45 minutes, I want you to walk out and stand in the center of that arena. And for the next 45 minutes, I want you to hold their attention, 20,000 people. Oh, one more thing. I want you to hold their attention for 45 minutes, but I want you to make them laugh for 45 yeah. minutes. Oh, oh, one more thing. I want you to hold their attention and make them laugh, but I want you to make them laugh when you want them to laugh. I want you to pull the strings and the emotions of 20,000 people, no props, no tricks, no charts, no special arrangement, no orchestra, nothing, but you and 20,000 people. And one more thing, not one of them, you. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's no true. pressure. That's but but, but yeah. I think, it, as you said, it helped you because of the success you had as a comedian before yeah. uh, going with touring with Frank, right? You oh. had that confidence. You believed you can do it and knew you could achieve it. You know, yeah. having fun. They didn't, the enemies didn't want to see that happen, you know. So, right. Uh, that's the key. Right. Anyhow. All right. Fabulous. Um, where can we purchase the book? Where can we go? Amazon.com, they'll send it to you in, in a couple of days, or you can go to a Barnes & Noble store. Still standing, my journey from streets and saloons to the stage and Sinatra. It was great being with you guys. Awesome. And Tom, last thank thing, you so much. Yeah. And last thing, Tom, uh, appreciate everything. And uh, we're going to, we appreciate you coming on. And Eric, what a great guest, wasn't he? Fantastic. Absolutely. So many Absolutely. stories. We could have part two, part three, part four, part five. And just, I, I, I could let you come to Pittsburgh so we can hang out, Tom. I can't wait. When yeah. COVID lifts. Yeah. Hopefully, I hope you'll perform in Pittsburgh, but I appreciate you stopping by. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. All right. Okay, guys. That was Living a Legacy. Take care. Celebrity Slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today.